Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Angel Rebo about leadership mistakes, blind spots, and how to pivot in times of crisis. Angel Rebo, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Jonathan. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm excited to have this conversation with you today, where we'll be exploring common leadership mistakes, uh, the blind spots that corporate leaders and CEOs often have, and how they can pivot in times of crisis. Uh, you join us from Texas. Of course, I'm here in Utah. Uh, it's always a pleasure to connect with people from around the country and around the world. And I appreciate you joining us today. As we get started, I wanted to share Angel's bio with everybody. Angel Rebo, known as the CEO Confidant, is an influencer, LinkedIn strategist, international TV host, public speaker, CEO consultant, board member, and philanthropist. In the last 21 years, Angel has helped more than 1,500 CEOs in 33 different countries to accelerate the growth of their businesses. He was born in Barcelona, and he has lived in eight countries and speaks five languages. Established entrepreneurs and corporate CEOs hire Angel to bridge the gap globally for expansion and exposure to grow their businesses. Angel sits on the board of the Evolutionary Business Council, an organization with more than 350 global transformational leaders with a combined reach of well over 600 million people. Angel is based in Texas, and early in 2017, he launched his international foundation, Wisdom for Kids, and he has helped more than 1,000 underprivileged kids in Latin America become entrepreneurs using their local resources. See Angel Rebo on all of his social media outlets, and I'm, again, really excited to talk with you today. Angel, uh, is there anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of background or personal context before we launch into the conversation today? No, well, thank you very much for you know taking so much time to read my my bio. Uh, maybe to say something which is not there, but it's it kind of uh, it, it's it's who it's who I am really, and I consider myself to be the unconnector. Excuse me, the connector of the unconnected. I consider myself someone who is able or he is, who is here in this you know day and time to to really help people that are unconnected today to get to get connected. Yeah, I love that. I think we need more of that. We need more bridge builders. We need more connectors uh, in this ever uh, increasingly messy and complicated world. Uh, we just need those connections. We need more people we can lean on and rely on. And, and so the work that you're doing is wonderful. Thank and you. it's amazing the reach that you've had over the course of your career, the number of uh, executives and CEOs you've had the opportunity to coach and mentor and and consult with and I, I i really think that's where it's at in terms of making a broad impact when we can influence leaders who in turn can then reach out and influence their organizations 
the impact can be incredible. It's true. And, and we tend to underestimate, sorry to interrupt you, but it's, it's so important. It's so important to remember that we, we every, every single human being, every one of us can really make, an inf- make a difference and influence and impact the world and impact everybody around us just by being ourselves, but being fully present in everything that we do. So it's much easier. I mean, as much as, I mean, to, to be honest, uh, five years ago when I started my own entrepreneurial journey, I mean, I had no idea of those things until I really sat down one day and I started counting them. Because when you are so busy and so distracted with your everyday life, you don't really just, you, I, I never took stock of, of, of my life, like literally, until someone said, hey, Angel, you, I mean, come on, g- give yourself a break because we're very hard on ourselves. So yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we all have this ability and this possibility really, opportunity is the right word, to influence the world and change the world every single day, all of us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I believe that as well. And it, whether we're consulting with CEOs or we're, we're helping those, pe- those around us in our neighborhoods, our friends, our family, you know, uh, people on our teams at work, uh, we all have influence. We all have the opportunity to impact those around us. So I think that's a really important reminder and a really good message. So as we launch into the conversation today, I thought maybe we could start with some of the most common mistakes that you see corporate CEOs making on a regular basis. Yes. So obviously, I would say that every every single CEO is as human as you as we are, any of us are is, you know, and every single CEO has had their own journey and their own experience. Uh, so at the end of the day, maybe the, the only difference between, you know, we mortals <laughs> and, and, and ourselves, between themselves and, and ourselves is that they have, a let's say, a, a larger, you know, uh, area of, uh, of uh, responsibility, okay? They're responsible for millions, probably millions or billions of dollars, right? They have a, a, a large teams in general, right? And obviously they have to, they have to make sure that they serve their shareholders because at the end of the day, every single organization, regardless of the size, you know, they, they are serving, they are serving their organization, they are serving their shareholders and that who are the ones that put the money in the first place. So they own themselves to the board who is making sure that, you know, consistently those shareholders receive this, this value. So the first blind spot I would like to say because I conduct, I like to ask questions, <laughs> the same as you. I like to ask a lot of questions. I like to, to launch a lot of surveys. And I always ask, you know, what's the most, you know, difficult, you know, what's the most important challenge you have in your company right now? And I kept on doing this last year. Last year, 2020, I kept on doing this. Why am I mentioning this is because consistently, I always find that the number one area of a concern is their teams, is the people around them. Because there's this, you know, there's this gap typically between the board and the CEO, they're pretty aligned, but there's this gap between the CEO and the, the rest of the C-suite. And there's a big, massive gap between the C-suite and the rest of the company, regardless of the size. And this is one of the m- most important blind spots. And how does that translate, you know, let's say downstream into the rest of the organization is that really the rest of the, you know, employees or the rest of the team are not really fully aware of the financial implications of those business decisions. What does that mean? Do they really, before making a decision, how much, how, how much of the organization really knows how is that gonna be going up, you know, crawling up in the, in the organization and actually adding equity to that corporation? You know, that sounds like a little bit weird, but it's in, in reality, every single employee should be fully aligned 
every single employee should be fully aligned so that every single business decision that they make should be, you know, be made in a way in which the equity of the company increases. Okay. And I have to say that there's this misunderstanding, or let's say, contrary to common belief that profits are bad, you know, and the larger the corporation, and as you know, this is, I am, I'm the same as you. I, I love to, to, to build bridges as opposed to burning them. But the reality is that profits by themselves are not bad because this organization exists because someone risks their money at some point, right? So what is, I would say, if you can make some sort of uh, judgment, you can maybe judge about what are those profits being used for, right? So aligning the entire organization in order to make sure that they are fully aware of the financial implications of the business decisions, that obviously they know how to do this because it's easy to say it, but how, how do you actually have an organization that they're fully aware to do that? And the best organizations last year, they kept on investing in their employees. The best organizations last year, regardless of the, of the really, regardless of the industry, regardless of the geography, the best companies out there, and the best CEOs, what they did is they kept on investing in their employees to make sure that this engagement, which is typically criticized, again, something else that is every single, you know, 76% of employees in the US are not engaged. Well, I mean, I don't know if, I'm, I'm not sure if it's, it's, it's 76%, it's a large amount of them, but still the best CEOs last year kept on investing in their employees, trained their employees so that they were more aligned with the organizations and they therefore the rest of the C-suite team and themselves could keep those employees accountable because it's not fair to keep them accountable if you have not given them the right tools. Makes sense? Yeah, it, it, yeah absolutely. And and I think one of the reasons why that is probably the case from this previous year, you know, in the in the times of turmoil, the pandemic, um, companies are are adjusting and in, in, in having to pivot on a dime uh, just in order to stay afloat and to, to stay open and to not lay off all their people. And so in order to do that, it required a heightened level of transparency and openness and a, a showing of genuine care and empathy. And I think the seriousness of the situation and the speed at which we were all, all of us were thrust into it, I think lended itself to many organizations and many leaders really stepping up to the challenge to focus on their people. Now, there were others that didn't clearly and, and it wasn't a universal success, uh, but I, I, that's what I've been hearing as I've been talking to people over this past year as well. And, and that's, that's good to hear. The question then becomes in my mind, because I, be, I believe what you're saying and I agree with it, I think it's important to be able to communicate um, those the, the reasons behind the decisions. We have to communicate the why. The question is why so often does that not occur? Why aren't we more transparent and open as executives within an organization so that the information and the why can reach its way downstream? Because that's been my observation consistently over time as well, is that the vast majority of, of employees down the line, they don't know, they don't have any clue as to the reasoning behind strategic decisions that are made, especially when they're really difficult decisions. Um, and, and when there's a lack of communication, employees fill in the gaps. They just start making stuff up. Uh, and usually it's not particularly um, you know, generous towards leadership, right? 
Yes, obviously, I, I, I believe that genuinely every single business leader wants to do good and wants to be good, not only with themselves, but also for their and with their organizations. Okay, so I'm going to take that as a, as a starting point of this of, to answer your question. Um, number two, uh, and I'm going to relate to something that obviously right now it's April 2021. Uh, so we all know what happened last year in the last, let's say, 12, 14, 16 months, right? So, and I think that that is extremely related to what really happens in organizations that do not have an open book kind of culture, okay? At the end of the day, I think it's a mixture of probably fear, and that's why I'm talking about what happens in the world right now. And fear actually is a bad, it's a, it's a very bad advisor. Sometimes, you know, organizations grow so fast, so fast, and they become so big and so difficult to manage. But unfortunately, as business leaders, we tend to think that, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, th this is... Too complicated. We cannot involve. We cannot involve the rest of human beings in this organization to actually be able to understand this and make those decisions. You know, and, and why? And and it's 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 also very simple. I mean, if leaders don't think that employees have really the ability or the skill or cannot learn the skill to understand the financial implications of the business decisions, is um, actually it's the whole system. And as you know, how many people are making money out there out of the depths <laughs> of most of the American population? What I'm trying to say is that we, as individuals, even as professionals, we receive throughout our professional lives very limited financial literacy in, uh, information. Very, very limited. We, I, mean, and, and you, you, I mean, just go to, go to recently graduated you know, children or kids, right? <laughs> go, go and ask them basic, basic financial literacy questions. How many are going to answer the right question? Are going to give you the right answer, excuse me, very limited. So obviously we live in a world that unless we as business leaders, I'm talking about CEOs, we become fully aware that we have to train and we have to do it because you know, unless things are not gonna change. So again, I think there's some fear there that they think that probably they're not gonna understand it. Obviously there's some mistrust. And again, remember, CEOs or business leaders are human beings. Human beings, the number one thing, you know, we, we, we cannot change the structure of our, of our brain. We live in survival mode, like it or not. And I'm not talking about um, this famous uh, Minecraft. I'm not talking about Minecraft survival mode. I'm talking about the survival mode that keeps us alive, right? And as parents, we do the same thing with our kids. The by, by the way, I, I appreciate the reference to Minecraft. Uh, my, my two little boys love playing in survival mode on Minecraft. So that's a nice little aside. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's why I like to mention it. Uh, and, 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 you know, so we live in survival mode. So we tend to protect ourselves and to, we tend to protect our small boxes. We live in boxes. We live, in, we live our lives creating boxes in which we, 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 in which we perceive we are free and safe. All the time, all the time. We are always looking for, you know, feeling safe, right? So, okay, so what, what can we do? I think the number one is becoming aware of the problem. Once we know that the problem is this one, the second is little by little, close those gaps that I mentioned before. And the, and, and the gaps that, and, and as soon as you start, you know, closing those gaps, you will realize that everybody fully empowered can actually keep on increasing shareholder value nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And it looks like we're talking about large corporations. That applies to the small, you know, five, 10, 15 employees, you know, mom and pop, you know, brick and mortar, you know, business. It's the same thing. 
actually this week I, I, I forgot who, who that was, a very famous you know, food industry franchisee. There was a, in all the news, there was this you know, big announcement, franchisees are not happy, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, I, I obviously, I, it's unfortunate that that went to the, to the media, but I, I'm sure that this company is, is, you know, is, doing a, is trying to do a great job of keeping all their franchisees you know, afloat. But the thing is, what's the right thing? What's the right set of skills that you give those franchisees in order to survive in a, in a place in which for the last 16 months, the consumption of food by every one of us has changed. The way we consume food, the, the, the way we go to the market to buy food has changed. So the fast food industry has also changed. So again, it's the same thing. Are we caring enough about giving everybody around us all our teams, all of our partners and franchisees and channel partners, uh, the right set of skills so that they can stay consistently afloat. Uh, so the answer is probably no, but can, can we do it? Of course, first become aware, second, make sure that you consistently are trying to close that gap. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, and so you've already kind of alluded to some of the blind spots. So mistakes often occur well, sometimes it occurs due to negligence. Sometimes it, it occurs uh, by no fault to anyone. It just kind of external pressures happen and, and mistakes happen. Um, but sometimes it, it really is is blind spots. Like you just have no idea. You you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. And and you're in these new complex situations. You're tr- you know assuming being generous and assuming the best case scenario for leaders that they they're just doing the best they know how and but they have a blind spot. So you you've already kind of acknowledged what a couple of those might be and how acknowledgement and, and awareness is probably the first step. How do you increase that level of awareness um, when you do have blind spots that are hindering your ability to lead effectively? Yeah, I have I have a business mantra that, that I use both with entrepreneurs and with uh, corporate CEOs and that is taking perfect action now. I like, you know, take imperfect action now, okay? So um, again, 
since day one, the first time we hit a kindergarten place, it's perfection, right? I mean, everything we have to learn everything and everything has to be perfect, has to look perfect, has to look perfect, right? I mean, <laughs> you name it, right? So in reality, perfection is, 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 is one of the most important deterrents of anything that we do. So I think that the first thing that we have to do is as, as, as business leaders, become aware that we have to start exploring many other possibilities. I would say that the larger the organization, the more complex they become. I like to use simplicity, simplicity. The main issue, the main, one of the main reasons why this is happening, the, all the you know, bias spots we have been talking about is because there's a lack of clarity with a lot of many different issues and so many, so many moving parts to achieve certain goals that the board is telling you to do or to achieve, you lack clarity. So, so there's so many routes, there's so many things to do. And then with lack of clarity comes complexity along, along with it, like all come together. That's why I, look, I like to talk about in, in terms of simplicity. Take very simple ideas, use something called the depri deprivation, deprivation test, uh, test, excuse me, which is try to stop doing all those things. What would happen in my company if I stop doing A, B, C, D, and E? And analyze every single thing, literally. Start analyzing the top, let's say, I don't know, the top 10, 20, 30 different processes that are in place in any, in any given organization. What if I eliminated that whole entire process? What would happen? That whole entire process. You would have so many surprises, Jonathan. So many surprises that we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing, but we just have been doing it. And we are so amazing as human beings that we can do the most you know, the most, or we can do so many wrong things more and more efficiently every single day. It's crazy. Every single day, we, we are the masters of inefficiency <laughs> by doing the wrong thing more efficiently every single day. It's crazy stuff. But that's, again, it's human beings. It's survival mode, you know? So that's what I found every single day. That's why um, simplicity and immediate take immediately taking action and becoming aware of those things that really are not adding enough value I think that those are three things, those are three ingredients that I see that really work very well in, in, in organizations today. Yeah, I love that. Um, so I think as we acknowledge mistakes, we can start to set goals to, to correct them, right? And to grow and to develop not only ourselves, but the people around us. We can start to diminish our blind spots. We can never get rid of them completely, but we can we can shrink our blind spots as uh, we do some of what you just talked about, as we surround ourselves with good people, with diverse perspectives who can help, you know, shine a light on those blind spots and, and who we trust. Uh, and then as, as we get to that point where we start to diminish those blind spots, it, it does allow us to have a better chance at making the adjustments necessary to respond to these ex external pressures that we might be facing that might be negatively hurting the business. Uh, so let's, in the, our last few minutes, let's talk a little bit more about how we pivot uh, during times of crisis and uh, ultimately with the goal of, of helping the organization to stay, to stay strong and sustainable. Yeah. You know, in, in the, I will start like from small and then I will grow to large organizations. Typically, you know, I think that every single entrepreneur out there had to adapt to what happened in the last, again, 14, 16 months, right? Every, every, almost everybody had to pivot in some way. And the way we did it is, I mean, I always talk about four different things when someone is, is pivot, is, you know, wants or needs to pivot. Number one is 
what what are you really enthusiastic about what are you what's your passion that's number one number two it's what you are an expert on you know what your organization or what yourself you are really good in doing and everybody out there acknowledges that you're really good in doing that number three would be you know what is the market really wanting right now what is the market really wanting and number four is is the market willing to pay for that those are the four things i always consider when i talk about pivoting all those four things have to be considered if you are a, if you are an entrepreneur the, the the passion part plays a, a more important role just because you are let's say you're closer to you know when the when the when the rubber hits the road right i mean you are much closer to making decisions and those decisions transpire to smaller organizations faster right but when when, when there are larger organizations basically you know exactly what your expertise are is and then and that's the main thing. That's the main thing that's happened last year, right? It's, and I'm not going to talk about declining revenues in, in most of the industries, but I'm going, to, I'm going to talk about how last year the markets changed. The markets changed. So what do they really, what do the markets needed last year and what do the markets wanted last year? And that's the most important thing. And as you, as you probably remember, large corporations like automotive companies suddenly started to you know, manufacture uh, ventilators. You will remember that in the beginning of, of 2020. So this is this is a good example. So the best way to do it is actually, you know, you know exactly what you are good at. You know exactly what your expertise is. Analyze what the market you think needs or wants at this point in time, because this, these are two different things, right? And then start immediately taking imperfect action and knowing if you can use the resources and the expertise that you have in place already built in the company, if you can offer it to the new market that is being created or with the new needs that the market already exists, right? I mean, obviously, that means business development last year changed a lot. You reached out to, to you know, to your clients and said, "Hey, how how can I serve you better?" I remember, in, I myself was working for a large corporation, 2008, 2009, and actually was one of the most successful years for me ever in the part of the business that I was dealing with in that particular company. You know why? Because we fully, fully, fully engaged like never before our client base. That's what we did. We reach out to them and we said, hey, we, we know you're suffering. How can we help? What's the number and what's what's the what's the best thing we could do for you today, knowing that it's gonna be hard for everybody? What can we do right now? And I remember all my distribution channels working heavily day and night, day and night, just providing this additional need that our clients needed at that point in time. Again, it's giving the value that the market needs, doing the best that you can do. And the, and, and the thing that you know they're an expert on. Yeah, yeah. Th those are great questions to be asking as we think about how to pivot and the strategy around that and focusing on your channels, focusing on your customers, focusing on the value you bring to the market is always important. The other thing that you've said multiple times today uh, that I think is really worth spotlighting is this idea that we need to... to move forward. We need to take a step into the darkness. We need to act, even if it's not perfect. And, you know, acting, taking a shotgun approach, you know, um, before planning is not what we're talking about. But you, you plan, you're thoughtful, you're careful, uh, and you act. And as long as you have built in mechanisms to iterate, so you can learn, you have feedback loops, and you can learn as you go, then that the, the action becomes an opportunity for learning. And even if things don't work, you've learned, you refine, you iterate, now you keep acting and you, you can build the plane while you're flying it, so to speak. And I think that's a really important reminder and a good lesson for people, especially those who might have uh, perfectionistic tendencies. 
Uh, Angel, it has been a real pleasure talking with you today. I uh, really appreciate your insights. The time has flown by. Uh, before we close, I did want to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about uh, your business, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Uh, thank you. Well, thank you very much. I, I mean, we are um, right now. It's uh, you know, it's uh, April 2021, as I said before. The first thing I would like to say is obviously the, the easiest way to connect with me, as you will see, if you go online, I'm on all the social media outlets. I'm, I am actually publishing content every single day. And I, I, I keep on building those bridges that have been burned for the last, you know, for the last month, because I think that that's, that's something that we all have to do. The easiest way to reach out to me, I'm going to give my direct email address, which is angel, A-N-G-E-L, at angelrebo.com. Rebo is my uh, last name, and it's a spell like R-I-B as in boy, O, angel at angelrebo.com. And the last thing I would like to say is, you know, even if sometimes uh, it, it looks like we are stuck, it looks like we cannot move forward, it, it doesn't matter if you are, you know, if you're a large corporation or if you are a small entrepreneur. Uh, what I would like to tell, to, to tell you is that, you know, every single day we have the opportunity to, to discover how, uh, you know, how infinitely powerful we are, all of us. And there's really out there, there's going to be always customers that only us, we can serve with ourselves and uh, with our organizations, only us we can do, or we can serve with our products and with our services. So just, you know, go there, go out there, take imperfect action, receive that market feedback and keep on course correcting whenever necessary. And obviously, thank you very much, Jonathan, for having me here today. And thank you to all to the audience has, that has been watching or listening to us. Wonderful. Thank you, Angel. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what he can do for you. And as always, I hope we can all stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.